You're listening to The DAP Project. I am your co-host, Rhonda Elizabeth. I say that in the spirit of the yoga instructor whom I adore, Chelsea Jackson Roberts. Take one of her classes on Peloton and bask in self-love. And I'm your co-host, Aaron Stallworth. This week, we're bringing to our podcast our April book talk, which we held on IG. In case you missed it, The DAP Project has a book club called TDP Be Reading. Our book club is another space to explore the people and ideas that we discuss in our podcasts, such as education, politics, family, justice, culture, shade. We read classics like The Miseducation of the Negro and new contributions to the canon, such as Alicia Garza's The Purpose of Power. TDPB Reading also holds me accountable for meeting my reading goals, which I definitely need. <laughs> We're all here to hold each other accountable. The struggle is real. We've yes. had three book talks this year on IG. Our IG handle is project. so we are killing it. We recognize that not everyone is on the ground. So to expand access, we're bringing the talks here to the podcast. We will share each of our book talks on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, beginning with the marathon don't stop, the life and times of Nipsey Hussle. Listen in for our book discussions on the purpose of power and the miseducation of the Negro coming your way over the next two weeks. We really hope you enjoyed this talk and please join us for this month's book selection, our May selection, Breathe, A Letter to My Sons by Imani Perry. We've dropped some of our favorite independent bookstore links in the show notes that we hope you will support. Remember to subscribe to our newsletter at thedepproject.com and leave us a review and five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. I love that you implant the five-star. Like, it's a mental cue already. Hey, we, got, we got 10 five-stars. I wasn't trying to get to 20. Yes, help us to get to 20. <laughs> In the meantime, resistance is a highway with many lanes, and we hope you find yours. Take care, folks, and enjoy the talk. Hey! What's up? What's up? What's up, Aaron Harvey? TDP be reading. That's what's up. TDP be reading. We actually pick up books. Yes, we and, do. And we start and we start reading. Um, yes, we do. Let's talk about why we read in general. We read for joy. We read for justice. We read to understand the struggle. Um, any other reasons why why we be reading? Uh, pass the time to learn stories. <laughs> <laughs> now, Aaron, how many pages did you read for uh, for this this text? Rhonda. Aaron. Oh. Last month, last month, <laughs> when we finished, you know, I got to uh, show the books we read. So we got our Carter G. Wilson book number one. Oh, shit. Mine are all on the bookshelf. Okay, but yes. Which is, which yeah. is basically like, you know, 80 pages. That you thought you were going to read in one night. Right. It took me the whole month. Yes. <laughs> we read, we read uh, Alicia Garza's book, The Purpose of Power. I love that was, book so much. Which was about, you know, 260 pages. I love that book so much. It took me the whole month. I finished this book a day before we did our book talk. Mm, I remember that. Um, but our current book, The Marathon Don't Stop. Don't Stop. The Life and Times of Nipsey Hussle. Yeah, there were some serious times. Rhonda, 377 pages. I know! Yo, I'm so proud of you. 
But I'll put that to you. I finished this book like 10 days ago. Yes, because. So I, think, I think that speaks to the fact that I'm a Nipsey Hussle fan. Yes. And I was, I was very uh, intrigued by learning a, a few more bits about his life. We learned a few um, more bits about his life, about yeah. LAPD, about yeah. uh, the Crenshaw District of Los the Angeles. The Crenshaw District of Los Angeles. Yes. About, okay. Uh, yeah. All that good stuff. Um, before we get more into the book, and we have a special guest who's going to be joining us pretty soon. Um, mm -hmm. Hey, Sweet Pea. Um, what's hey, your sweet favorite pea. genre? That's Patrice. Uh, what's your favorite oh, genre what's up, Patrice? of Patrice? Yeah, that's um, my homegirl, my sister. My favorite genre. When I thought about it, like, I have three books that I that come to mind, but Autobiography of Malcolm X, the book you recommended to me, um, Born a Crime. Trevor Noah. By, by Trevor Noah. Mm -hmm. And then there's, book, there's this book called Well that just talks about the healthcare system and what you... I what remember, the, yeah, yeah. What the, so, what the, yeah. But so I think my favorite genre is the autobiography, biography type book or something about people's lives, yeah. li lives lived. Yeah. yeah. I like um I definitely like autobiographies and I like books that explain things to me about subjects that I interact with on a daily basis. Like I like books that explain education because I'm passionate about education, books that explain like economic injustice. Um, and I definitely like books about black culture, um, good books about black culture that also help us to understand who we are, where we've come from where we're going. And I think that Nipsey's book does um, a little bit about that. So let's start with a little bit of background. Can you tell the people just some kind of basic facts about who Nipsey is? Yeah, Nipsey Hussle, a young uh, black male, uh, Eritrean. Uh, his dad's from Eritrea, I believe his mom also. The mom is black, she's from- Mom is black, that's right, mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah, she's from Cali. Yeah, uh, he's born in 1985 in Los Angeles. Uh, those of you who are watching Snowfall uh, know that that was a heavy time of the crack epidemic. Or anyone who studies history about this country knows that the crack epidemic was very heavy around the mid 80s, early to mid 80s. Uh, very heavy in Los Angeles. Um, uh, Nipsey was a very intelligent young man, um, super smart kid. Uh, we'll talk about that later. He was also very much into music, as the world knows. Uh, mm -hmm. He put out his he put out his first album, I believe it was in two thousand and nine, and he put out his first studio album that's considered an album, Victory Lap. It came out in two thousand and eighteen. Uh, he's also a businessman, uh, along with his partner and brother, uh, Black Sam, starting from selling socks and T-shirts and CDs in the front uh, on the curb of the store that they now own. Uh, the entire block of uh, where the marathon store is. So he's also a businessman and he also promotes uh, investing in his community. He also promotes others to find ways to make themselves better. He was a reader. He's a reader. Mm -hmm. He probably, he, if we knew him personally, he probably would have joined our TDP reading club. That would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have <laughs> been, been amazing. Yes. Um, to have Nipsey on TDP be reading. I would have loved that. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned earlier this year, we read The Miseducation of the Negro by Carter G. Woodson mm -hmm. and Alicia Garza's Purpose of Power. So I wanted to connect Nipsey's, this book about Nipsey to those two earlier texts. Um, Carter G. Woodson, a historian, 
place heavy emphasis on knowing our history, knowing where we came from. And he actually, we laughed about this in our last book talk, threw a lot of shade at not knowing your history and instead celebrating Western culture. So Woodson really emphasized knowing that your roots are in Africa and you should know as much about African history as you do about um, about American history and Western history. Mm-hmm. So I see that connection when Nipsey's father takes Nipsey and Black Sam to Eritrea. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how that was a life-changing experience for right. Nip- was that, that Was it three weeks or three months? Three, three months. Three months they spent yeah. in Eritrea. Well, he had two trips. So the mm-hmm. first trip was three months. And then the second trip, I think, was like a week. And yeah. he said that in the first trip, he almost didn't know how to, like, integrate himself into the community because he was this urban kid from LA and he's going to Eritrea and spending time like in rural areas and villages, very different from the hustle and the bustle of the West Coast. But a couple of formative things happened. He saw both black people leading shit, which if you're from Chocolate City, we have seen that, but that was one of the first times that he saw that black people in government, black people owning businesses, just all black everything. And then also like the the culture, the family culture. He said he had a a clear impression of what family life was in Eritrea and then brought that back. So I feel like Carter G. Woodson would have been proud for that. Yeah, I I know shortly after the Victory Lap album came out, um, he was here in D.C. for Eritrea uh, Cultural Festival and talking to the the ambassadors and folks of Eritrean descent. We know a lot of folks in D.C., um, and answering questions from the kids. It, it was really special to see. A friend of mine had it on their IG Live, but he, that was definitely yes. a big part of, of who he was and how he was, so I appreciate it. So that. when he tragically died, there was a lot of love on social media from the Eritrean community here in the States mm-hmm. because they really, you know, of course, embraced him as like a, um, not necessarily a prince, but just someone that they really loved and really respected and really revered. And then the connection to Garza's book, one, both of them are from California with Alicia Garza being from the Bay and Nipsey being from LA, North and South. But uh, Garza sets up and explains how former President Reagan and as governor Reagan really decimated communities in um, urban communities through disinvestment and then also through the police policies the particularly the laws around the difference between being um, convicted of selling crack cocaine versus powder cocaine and how that impacted um, folks in urban areas. And then just the general tone of police um, going after predominantly black communities. We see a lot of that in, in Nipsey's life. So we see some of those themes kind of filtering throughout from the books that we read. And that serves our purpose of just understanding the world that we live in through the books that we read. Right. Much of what his life, much of what he experienced in his life highlights much of what we know about what goes on in many major cities and small cities, too, for that matter, across this country. Yeah, true. And small cities, too. So what did you enjoy about this book? What was your favorite part? What were your highlights? I'm a fan. My, My boy who who's from LA, who left LA and moved to Texas for a while, moved to New York for a while, and moved, since moved back to LA, uh, called me and said, yo, you gotta check out, this is in 2016, you gotta check out Nipsey Hussle. He's like the mayor of LA, uh, everybody loves him. Uh, he's got great music. And I tuned in and listened, uh, right after we got off the phone, I, I pulled it up on my iTunes, and 
I was like, okay, I like it. I like it. I dig it. But, you know, slight, there was small infusion. You know, of course, there's plenty of the typical lyrics we hear from, from a lot of rappers. Um, but he, he did show and prove that he was not a typical rapper. And a lot of his lyrics were infused with uh, uplifting his community in one way or another, trying to inspire folks in one way or another. Um, and ownership was big for him. He, he felt that that came out a lot as far as owning his the masters to his music. That probably was a big reason why we only got one album out of him, and, but, but yet still got eight or nine mixtapes because he wanted to be sure that he owned his music and not for um, the, these record labels to own own him. Uh, and that slave mentality that that a lot of uh, artists uh, tend to fall into. I like learning. Um, I like learning about the the community around him and understanding how many people were involved in him becoming the person that he was, the people that he supported with his yeah. music and his studio. Um, and then also seeing how complex his life was to try mm -hmm. to arrive at the points that he did, that there were so many battles that he was fighting every step of the way to finally arrive at being a recording artist mm -hmm. from um, coming from a family of low wealth to being underestimated at school to figuring out what he wanted to do with his life and then trying to build the studio and trying to get all the connections. So when yeah. he's like, I was just listening to um, Hustling All My Life, and I was like, yeah, you really were hustling your Seriously. entire life to get yeah. where you were. Yeah, they say luck, and we you reminded me that luck means uh, when preparation meets opportunity. Yes. And it seems like throughout his life, that was well, that's where this marathon term comes from. He was actually running in one way or another, trying to 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 overcome all these obstacles, all these these weights that mm. were that are the the that can fall upon a, a black male from an inner city community, inner city community from a home that whatever uh, considered broken homes and all those sorts of things. All these things, mm -hmm. these trappings that, that fall upon black men, uh, he was constantly trying to improve and, and better himself so he could be prepared for whatever opportunities came his way. Yeah. And so he could really enjoy and express himself as an artist. Like we were introduced to him um, or we lost him rather when he was so young. So who knows what he would have created as an artist had he yeah. had more time similar to Tupac, similar to Biggie and other artists that have died at such a young age. We never got to see their full evolution mm -hmm. of themselves as an artist. Um, Are we gonna bring our guests in? What should we bring our guests in? I'm, I'm, I'm curious to get the take of uh someone in a, in a slightly younger generation than we that we fall into. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but I'm, I'm young. I don't I know. I'm, I'm sorry. Younger, younger than me. I think, I think oh, y'all okay, are, I think y'all in the same age group actually around the, uh, okay, okay. even though we're yeah. somehow in the same age group too, but I, but I guess he is. Listen, from one profit to another, <laughs> age is just a number. It is totally expansive. Okay. So you ready to bring Deontay in? Yeah, Deontay. Okay. Uh, if Deontay is, is around. I see him. I see him laughing at us. Why are you laughing at us, man? Come on, come on in the room. So, who's coming into the room as he comes on board? Is so, uh, a friend of Aaron's. You want to give him yeah, a proper introduction? I do. I do. Deontay Bridges is a uh, uh, scholar. I met him through work. Uh, I work with uh, a scholarship program. That Deontay was a member of that program. He's an outstanding young man. Uh, um, 
he's just a cool dude from Atlanta. Uh, I don't I don't like to give too many accolades, even though Deontay deserves all the accolades. Uh, but the biggest accolade that I want to give him, he is a, a teacher. He's a teacher for our young people in Atlanta, Georgia. And I would love to hear his take. I know he uses a lot of the um, artwork of Nipsey Hussle in his work in his teachings. And I, I want him to be able to share that with us on our IG Live today. So. What's going on, bro? What's going on, brother? How you doing? I can't call it, bro. I guess I got to have some kind of premium subscription. They wouldn't let us all get on together. <laughs> oh. How you been, man? I can't complain. Just trying to navigate through these times. How about yourself? Yeah, same, same here, same here. Uh, did you finish the book? Were you able to finish I, it? I did. I actually finished this morning. Um, uh-huh. I had a few pages to wrap up. Maybe I had like 80 pages left this morning, so I finished up. Earlier yeah. today. Okay. Good. Okay. What do you think about the book? Phenomenal, man. Um, definitely a lot the process. Um, mm. I definitely appreciated the work that the author put into his research. Mm. Um, just bringing everything together. Um, and I learned, I definitely learned a lot. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, towards the conclusion of the book, just having to relive that moment of finding out the news and just trying to process it all over again, kind of put me right back in that same space. Yeah, yeah, I, feel, I felt the same way. Um, I know you use, uh, prior to, to Nipsey's uh, death, I know you, and and after he died, I know you used a lot of his work uh, to help teach your students. <laughs> tell, tell, tell us what that pro- what that process is about and why you chose to, to use Nipsey's work and, and just tell us about it. Uh, definitely. So I want to say maybe back in 2015, 2016 is when I started to listen to Nipsey. Um, mm-hmm. At that time, you know, I can go on record and say probably wasn't someone that I was listening to on a consistent basis. But, you know, whenever he did come up on Pandora or just on the radio stations on Tidal or Apple Music, you know, I mm-hmm. would listen. And then as more songs started to show up, you know, and the more I started to tap in, I realized that he was definitely you know, speaking on things that other musicians don't always necessarily speak on. Mm-hmm. And over the course of time, especially leading up to the Victory Lap album, um, and just tapping into some of those interviews uh, that he was doing uh, during his rollout, yeah. I started to realize just how much we had in common and just how much I could relate to him. Mm-hmm. And I've never really been one to kind of look up to celebrities or musicians um, or even consider them to be role models. Mm-hmm. But in in some ways, he definitely became like a distant mentor in some in some respects, and yeah. um, I just identified with so much that he was trying to set out to do, and everything yeah. that he was doing, you know, aligned with my values, the things that I believed in, and you know, I think the one way where I was able to take that and and use it um, was in my classroom through my lessons. Yeah. Tell tell us real quick before I want to hear more. But when did you start first start teaching? Man, it's been four years. I want to say towards the end of 2016, November mm-hmm. of 2016. Yeah. And man, the time flew by. Yeah, it does. It does. But I, it's, it's, I enjoy it. It's a work of heart. Yeah. I man. enjoy it. Yeah. In English? All right. Yeah. There's like nothing. Bro. Just okay. okay. So, what, what is it that you're, uh, what do you see your students gaining from the use of? Or tell, tell us more just about the process of how, how, you, how your lesson plans come about. 
Yeah, man. So, man, in so many ways, I'm very creative. So if I'm not able to be creative, I find myself kind of just having a hard time enjoying teaching. Um, mm-hmm. And just when I take it upon myself to kind of deviate uh, from the curriculum that, you know, they want us to teach and the reading materials that they want us to utilize, and I just kind of tap into a creative space, mm-hmm. um, some of my best lessons have come from that. So I started something a while back. I'm a big hip-hop fan. So I started something called Hip Hop into ELA, uh, using hip, higher intellectual power, to mm-hmm. hop, help our people in English language arts. So um, I want to say one of the first lessons was actually shortly after uh, the passing of Nipsey Hussle. Um, mm-hmm. I just felt the need to honor him. And my students knew that I was a big fan. We would listen to some of the instrumentals in class. And I even started something called Double Up Tuesdays where students were able to earn uh, twice as much credit for their assignments. So mm-hmm. after his passing, uh, we were in review mode for the Georgia Milestones. And we were looking at the tone, the mood, the themes. I used uh, Blue Laces too. Mm-hmm. And I, just off of that one song, I was able to touch on like five or six different stumbles. So again, like I said, we reviewed the theme, the life of... Uh, the life lesson or the moral message in the music. We looked at mood and tone, uh, methods of characterization, and the list goes on and on. Um, And even in addition to using Nipsey Hussle, you know, we did lessons with using Tupac, Uh, Brenda's Got a Baby, Mm -hmm. Uh, Still I Rise, Um, one reading selection, What to the Slave is the Fourth of July. And I found a unique way to incorporate a Meat Mill song uh, with Jay-Z and Rick Ross, uh, What's Free. Mm -hmm. So just finding unique ways to tap into some of the artists that I believe these scholars can also identify with. But in the same breath, I can use those individuals, especially Nipsey Hussle, to, you know, teach financial literacy, uh, the importance of going back and investing into your community and things of that nature. Yeah. And it's, it's been a unique uh, ride and my scholars tend to appreciate it. I think yeah. they, they truly enjoy it. I imagine they do. Have any of any of your fellow teachers tried to, to, to hop on and, and, and use some of your methods or how does administration hey, feel about it? <laughs> um, I, I know, I know it, has part, it has to be genuine. It has to be genuine. It has to be coming from the heart to really make it work. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. For the most part, man, they're, they're pretty supportive. Um, yeah. and, you know, I, I can see that, you know, some of my colleagues have taken from, I guess, my teacher bag, and that's all, all good because, oh, yeah. you know, I'm in this space, you know, with the hopes that I can – change what education looks like. And sometimes that requires us to go against the grain. Because, um, of course, you know, in some school settings, it wouldn't be okay for me to go into this classroom and teach a lesson about what many people often just view as a, a rapper and a gang member. Um, but he was so much more than that. So in that regard, I, I've had support. And, you know, I look forward to just creating more lessons where I can utilize some of the things that we can learn from his life and hopefully other artists that may come along that, I believe, are, uh, you know, significant members of our society. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, man. The part about the rapper and gang member, uh, that, that allows people to take the humanity away from people. Uh, man. But, but uh, if, if that's what you, is it the environment that you, was what was around you, and that's a lot of what you knew, that doesn't take you away from humanity. That just means that that's the ground that you were planted in when you were born. 100%. You, you're, doing, you're doing the best you can to grow from it. And, you know, to that point, I recognize just how easy it could have been for me to take that route, you know, one decision away 
from yeah. walking that same path. Yeah, yeah. My good friend who, who's uh, who, who's worked with Nip, you know, he he left L.A. and, and took a different uh, path in life before he returned to L.A. But he says the exact same thing. He said, what if I didn't leave L.A.? What if I did stay here in the Crenshaw district, uh, only several blocks from where uh, Nipsey grew up? I may be I may be in the same path and may not have the <laughs> the know-how to become a musician and rap star. <laughs> and, and, and then you have that's that becomes your fate and that becomes the fate of your siblings who cannot get out of those situations. Our family exactly. members, our, fr our friends. So that is the main thing I wish people would take away from who only want to give the label of gang member, only want to give them um, the, the label of hustler is to think about what is it that, what is it about the environment that created those, those labels that y'all are giving him. And, and to, to that point, man, I, I'm having so many thoughts running through my head, especially in regards to just how I try to enter, how I try to integrate, you know, these, well, we're talking about Nip Sosa, so I just keep it on him. I just try to use his life as a testament to what is possible because, you know, I know what awaits my scholars when they walk out of that threshold, cross that threshold to exit my classroom and walk beyond the doors of the building. And they have so many things just trying to reel them in that, you know, could ultimately lead to the other minds. Uh, you know, and that's part of the reason why I got into education. I never really had aspirations of becoming a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, but the opportunity presented itself because I was always passionate about serving the youth mm -hmm. and serving the community. And what better way to do both than in the yeah. space of education? Yeah. Yeah. My co-host Rhonda has given me some great questions. I'm, I'm curious too. Uh, are there, were there any mentors in your life, either young yet or, or recently that, that kind of helped to navigate you uh, on the path that you were able to get onto? Man, absolutely. Um, where do I begin? I, again, off the top, I had a lot of amazing educators um, and they invested into me at a very early age and they definitely saw something in me. They saw that I had a passion, a drive for learning. And, you know, I have to give a major shout out to a lot of my educators, many of which, you know, I'm still in close contact with today, including my kindergarten teacher. And beyond that, it's a gentleman by the name of Charles Allen. And when I think about my success in high school and beyond, he had a lot to do. He had a lot to do with me even becoming an educator. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, him, um, of course, and Dr. Tucker, uh, who was a professor at Emory University. And yeah. I met her during the summer of my junior year, going into my senior year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, without those individuals, um, and of course, my parents, um, I wouldn't be in this position today. And, I, you know, I know I have managed to do a lot. You know, I think about all the accolades and, you know, the things that people recognize me for. But, you know, I'm quick to say that I did not do it by my lonesome. And I recognize that I wouldn't be in the position I'm in today without their help and just guidance along the way. But, you know, beyond that, like I said, I never really had any role models. Mm -hmm. Those were more like yeah. mentors. Right. Um, but... You know, I think what helped me was just through the years, just coming across individuals who saw what I was setting out to accomplish and just gave me that pat on the back and those words of encouragement, including individuals like yourself, you know, having the pleasure to meet you through the Gates Millennials Program, Scholars Program, and, you know, just coming across and paths with genuine individuals who truly had my best interest at heart and just wanted to see me do well and just wanted to make sure that I, you know, do my part to pay it forward 
and investing yeah. so the young people that I serve in the same way that many of you all have done for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. We all have those those men and women in our lives that that allow us to get to that next step or to, to make the right decision. I'm thinking about the the book. Um the the guy Dexter, he was a Howard Howard uh graduate. He was a photographer, uh and a, a real staple in the community, uh as far as a place for Nipsey to, to sleep a lot of times. The first person that really gave him access to equipment to to legitimately record some of his music. Uh, I'm sure he gave him tons of advice. Um, so I'm, I'm, I really, he stood out so much for me as far as if it were not for Dexter somehow crossing paths with Nipsey, Nipsey's path could have been totally different, uh, totally I, different. And man, and to that point, that's something that I've been talking about a lot with my girlfriend, we're just talking about decision-making and how, you know, you're just one decision away or one interaction or connection away from the entire trajectory of your life just being completely different. And, you know, I, it's one thing, you know, sometimes we get so caught up in giving ourselves credit and thinking it's in our own doing. But if those stars don't align, you know, you're not tapping into a greater, something greater than yourself or the bigger picture, I can I've been there just trying to figure it all out and yeah. just wondering like if that one thing did not happen. And you know, I to be very transparent, that year where I became an educator or uh, I'm sorry, an educator and got into education, it's probably one of the lowest moments in my life, you know, mm-hmm. not too far removed from completing my undergraduate studies and finding myself at that crossroad trying to figure out what direction am I going in. Yeah. And that's when my former high school teacher and my mentor, Mr. Allen, at the time they were they were dating, uh, they randomly called me as I'm mm-hmm. sitting on my ch- sofa uh, contemplating, like, man, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And they asked, are you, uh, you still interested in teaching? And I'm like, mm-hmm. of course. And yeah. within two weeks, man, I was inside the classroom. But if it yeah. were, you know, if it wasn't for, for that moment, and them making that decision or even thinking about me, who knows what I would be doing. Yeah. Have there been any moments where the music that you use in the classroom really allowed you to bond? Or can you think of a story? Man, or... All the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah, um, pick, pick, pick a top one or two. And you know, it's crazy. It's, it's something about being a teacher. Well, you know, your students can, when you're a relatively young teacher, even being a young educator, yeah. They still try to date you and make you feel like you're older than what you, what you really are. So even when I would, you know, in moments where I would turn on music and while they're working and we're all just immersed in the work, mm-hmm. Mr. Bridge, what you, what you know about that, Mr. Bridge? Right. I'm like, man, I listen to the same thing that you all listen to. But uh, one instance in particular, using Nipsey Hussle, um, I played grinding on my life. It was crunch time and my scholars were working. So I'm just playing motivational music and no one is really – you know, normally they sing the songs or rap along with the lyrics, but when that came on, one of my top stu- uh, students at the time just started rapping the words, bar for bar. And mm-hmm. it turned into an entire concert. And uh, right. that's something else that I incorporated into my daily uh, routine, mm-hmm. classroom concert series. So we'll take a brain break and we'll identify a song we want to play. And she requested all my life. And we had like a whole concert just going back and forth with yeah. the lyrics together. And she actually ended up graduating as the valedictorian of the middle school class, a phenomenal mm-hmm. scholar. So I know she'll do great things, man. So that's what it's all about. Absolutely. I remember that reminds me. I think about, you know, Nipsey is seen. He's like, you know, the mayor of L.A., the, 
an LA staple, right? But to see his influence around the country and world, I was coming from a from a scholar event in uh, Durham, North Carolina. Uh, right. Just got through, uh, was dropping off my rental car. I was playing dedication, you know, uh, Nipsey and Kendrick Lamar is uh, my favorite song, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, before before I got out of the car, I had it connected on my Bluetooth. So I got out, turned the car off, go to get my luggage out of the back of the car. And the guy hops in to check the mileage and stuff. But my, my Bluetooth is still connected. So it starts blasting yeah. again, dedication for probably two, for two, almost two minutes. He wrapped the entire rest yeah. of dedication. I just bobbed my head. We, we looked at each other, acknowledged each other, and said, we lost the real one. Because this was after he passed. But this is in Durham, North Carolina, just someone who's, uh, who's working at the, at the uh, car rental place. But Man. to see, to know the bar wow. for bar, he knew, he knew his lyrics. He knew that song. And you could tell it meant something to him. He, he wasn't just, you know, mouthing it all. He was, right. he was letting, letting me know that it meant something to him. And um, to that point, yeah. the power of words, being a language arts teacher. And just yeah. telling my students just how powerful words are. And when you yeah. say something, make sure it holds some weight and, and that it's meaningful. Yeah. And, you know, it's tough, man. I think about Tupac Shakur, you know. I was very mm-hmm. young when he passed away. Yeah. But I can only imagine what a lot of people felt during Tupac's past, and it's probably what I experienced with the loss of milk. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's interesting you say that because when, when Pac passed, I was, you know, I was probably 19, somewhere around there. But it, it, it hit very hard because that was one of, the, one of the times that the realities of death for someone that I respected and admired and loved his music uh, came to pass. But when, when Nipsey hit, it was, it was a whole another level of, of grief and, and, and like, uh, you know, um, but I do want to ask you this, this other question. Um, us being the DAP project and thinking of music and, and the lyrics that, and how NIP affected you, how do you feel uh, NIP is giving DAP to the community or to the people who are listening to his music? Uh, Man, that, that's a loaded one because there's so many ways you can go with that. But when I think about DAP and just considering the times that we're in, man, having to social distance and practice good hygiene and not really being comfortable dapping or having a gilded elbow or a fist bump. Mm-hmm. It, it's not the same, man. When I think of doubt, giving doubt, think about embracing. Yeah. So at a time where we all need to be embraced probably a whole lot more than, you know, we did prior to the pandemic. Man, um, just having to find creative ways to, to embrace and just going back to how I believe that he's giving doubt. Um, you know, I think about embracing and yeah. through embracing, just coming together as a collective and, and just being supportive of each other. And, you know, even this, and I think giving doubt is something that he actually took seriously. He was very firm with the handshakes that I saw that he gave to mm-hmm. other individuals just in interviews and just passing. Yeah, I saw um, a picture of DMX getting dapped, and I saw a picture of uh, him and Jay-Z getting dapped. I was like, that wasn't no yeah. <laughs> that was some <laughs> That was some heavy yeah. hands right there. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> And man, it's all about embracing, man. Yeah, just, yeah. I think we got to get back to that and, and try to do our part not to get away from it. And just being yeah. supportive of each other and just building a sense of community and putting community, putting unity back in community. Yeah. Um, and realizing that, you know, the term that we've been throwing around and using uh, during this time is socially distancing. But really, 
it's not even socially distancing. It's more so yeah. physically distancing because right now we're being social. So we just got to change the way we look at it and just right, right. still, when we think about that moment, that transaction of just embracing someone and yeah. giving depth, you know, you realize that it goes beyond just the physical. And yeah. once we recognize that as a collective, you know, I think we'll be all right. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I want to hit this one uh, quote from the book uh, from Nipsey uh, before we, uh, we don't want to run too long, but this, it says, in third grade, I had a homie that was Korean, super smart. I got another homie who was Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> they used to copy off my work. While those same <laughs> classmates were tested to see if they could join a special program for gifted students. Man. Nipsey was not given a chance to take the test. Man, talk about it. Talk about it, man. When he asked talk his teacher, it. his teacher said students had to be selected for the special curriculum. His mother soon paid the teacher a visit. Y'all better test my son, she insisted. Sure enough, Nipsey tested off the charts. That was an introduction to how the world was for me. This is Nipsey talking. People going to doubt you, and that don't mean they, that they write. It just means they don't understand. So uh, 300, 377 yeah. pages. This is how I know I'm, I'm an educator at heart. The only line I under, only thing I underlined in the whole book was this one line at all three seven. And I love the book. Uh, I mean, I love learning about Nipsey throughout the book. And speaking of that, I'm I'm looking forward to you know there's probably seven or eight more books coming out of uh, about Definitely. Nipsey. Uh, this is the first, so I had to jump on it. Uh, I know Ava DuVernay is uh, doing a documentary. That's that's how I can't wait for it to come out through Netflix. So I'm I'm happy to see that that we're going to get to learn more about Nipsey Hustle. Um, but that quote stood out to me, and I know I'm sure you saw it and read it, and it hit home for you too. Hey, man, it hit home on a whole nother level. And you know, uh, like I said, opened up with saying that he was someone that I definitely identify with and relate to on so many levels. And even for those individuals that know my history, a lot of people look at me as a poster child of some sort for education uh, due to my success as a student navigating mm -hmm. through the Atlanta public school system. But even during my time there and just thinking about what I was subjected to. I've been there in middle school, yeah. my time in middle school as an eighth grader, the very great uh, level that I teach now. Mm. We had one student from Cambodia and we had a Caucasian student. And from sixth to eighth grade, we were oftentimes considered the top three students in the school. Mm. But every time opportunities presented themselves, I was never given those opportunities uh, by the counseling department, the staff. But I did have teachers who knew, like, they'll put me to the side, man. I can't go on record and say what they told me in my ear because I was, uh, they probably shouldn't yeah, yeah. have telling me that. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah being, the, being the one that was actually helping them on their assignments. Yeah, yeah. And the award day comes, and those are the individuals getting awarded, you know, top math student, top science student. And the whole time I have a higher GPA than them. But just it just speaks to the politics and how oftentimes, you know, people, you know, will label you and just try to find unique and creative. And sometimes it's your own people, your yeah. own people, man. Yeah. So I learned that very early on. And I think yeah. Rhonda asked a question. Uh, I just saw a question. You're being underestimated as a student. Um, absolutely. I've always 
had to find myself in positions of uh, motivating my students to see themselves as brilliant and capable. And that's on an everyday basis. And I tell them all the time, you know, as an educator, I'm sure a lot of us have been in classes where the teacher would tell the students, I have mine, get yours. And I told my students, I would never tell them that I have mine and to go and get yours. I let them know that I have mine and I'm going to show you how to get yours. How to get yours, yeah. So, and it's, it's, it's all, a, that's what it's all about because a lot of times my students, they don't get their love and support at home. Mm-hmm. And sadly enough, they don't always get that support from, from other teachers. And I, you know, it's sorts to say that, but that's yeah. why I'm grateful to be in this space uh, with the hopes that I can be a model of what teaching should look like, you know, and being an educator goes beyond the curriculum and it goes beyond the four walls of the classroom. And mm-hmm. I think it's in those moments beyond just, you know, preparing for standardized testing, you know, that's the easy part. You yeah. know, the real work lies in, you know, investing into the holistic development of the children that I serve. And, yeah. you know, I worry about them. But in the same breath, I'm grateful that I'm in this space because they trust me. And mm-hmm. you know, I've been teaching for quite some time now. So before you know it, I'll be going to some high school graduations and college graduations. And yeah. you know, my students who I've taught who've gone on to high school reach out now. And it, it gives me uh, the confirmation that I'm, I'm doing the right thing and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you, absolutely have an impact. Uh, there won't be the goals unheard goes will go unthanked, but they're they're thanking they're thanking you. They are grateful, but the impact you are having because of everything we're hearing from you in this twenty minute conversation, for that to be standing in front of your students day in and day out, and for them to be receiving that energy day in and day out, they can they can only become a little bit better than they were the day before because of it. So I appreciate you. Uh, it's an honor and a blessing that uh, that we were able to connect and get you on here on the DAP project. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. I love you know, what you all are doing. I appreciate that. We know I'm going to tap you again to get you on here some more. <laughs> hey, I'm here for it. I'm here for uh, it. I need right. this. Yeah, oh, we needed it too. Thank you, brother. I'm going to get uh, get back in. So we can, and I'm going to figure out how we can right. get on here together too so we can get on and talk together at some point. Right. She, but, she uh, asked one more question. I want to make sure that I hit everything before what you, you got, get off here. What you got? Push to recruit more black males to the classroom, what would you tell other black men about teaching to help get more black men into the teaching profession? Oh, man, that's an amazing question. Uh, and, you know, we that's a whole other conversation. We had to have an entirely different uh, yeah. meeting of the minds to discuss that. But uh, in, in short, there is definitely a need for more black male educators. But I guess I wouldn't even want to direct my response to those in, individuals who may be aspiring teachers or just black men who would make great teachers. I just want to say something to those who are already in the space of education. You know, don't don't take this position lightly. You know, throughout my four years I've had an opportunity to teach alongside alongside some other uh, brothers. And, you know, I'm not here to throw anyone under the bush. But it can be frustrating sometimes when I I see black men in education who, you know, kind of take that opportunity for granted. Yeah. Being able to really be a leader. And understanding that a lot of these children, at least in the community that I serve, don't have uh, positive male figures in their lives. So understanding the responsibility that comes with it and truly recognizing that as a collective, um, if we truly have the best interests of the students at heart and the community, we can truly make a difference. So definitely we're needed. Um, 
I would encourage brothers who share that passion for the youth and for the community to consider getting in this space. And again, it's a work of heart. So probably won't get paid much from a monetary standpoint, but it's an investment. It's not even a sacrifice. I don't even look at it as a sacrifice. It's an investment. And uh, we got to tap in and make sure we come together and just do what we're supposed to do as young black men and lead the next generation. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you, man. We see you. Likewise. Appreciate you. All right, brother. Till right, next brother. time. <laughs> oh, <All> yeah. Right. <laughs> I got you, man. Till next All time, right, brother. Let's get around the back end. Deontay brought some great insights. I love what he said towards the end about not just recruiting more people, but actually speaking to the Black men who are already teaching and to inspire them to, um, okay, thank you for being connected, to take that, uh, that role seriously yeah. and to really inspire students to, to love learning. There are so many people who were joining the conversation, so I really hope that they got something out of it as well, hearing, um, hearing Deontay's reflections about Nipsey, about music, and about education overall. Yeah. So I know when we started reading this book, we had no idea that it would end up being about education, but I'm so glad that it did end up being about education, how important it is for, for our Black men to be seen and to be supported. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to be mentored and to be uh, help them get to the next step that they need to get to in life. So there's a great book that just came out. I think it's called Fugitive Pedagogy. And it's about the history of African Americans and education and specifically about how African Americans found a way to be educated when it was illegal to pursue education. So we're talking about the, um, the period before liberation, the period of enslavement that uh, maybe we can drop into our show notes for people to tap into. But before we close it out, we want to tell the people what's next, what TVP oh, will be reading next. You got yours? Yes, son, I went mine? today. I got mine today, yes. All right, all right. So three, I looked three. at one, <laughs> two, two, and Trace. Bam! Bam. So, tell us about it. Breathe. Yes. to my sons by Imani Perry. Yes. So um, May is, um, or May 9th rather, is Mother's Day. And so in tribute to our moms, we wanted to read a book about uh, being a mother. And one of those books that is so um, well-regarded, well-received, and I started reading a little bit today, is Breathe, A Letter to My Son, by, to my sons, rather, by Imani Perry. She is a professor at Princeton University and just one of the smartest, sharpest public intellectuals who's writing about culture, about politics, about um, African-American studies who are out there. She also wrote a book called Looking for Lorraine, which is about Lorraine Hansberry, which I read earlier this year. So I'm so excited to get into uh, To Breathe, which is a deeply personal look at being a mother to Black sons. So we always encourage you to shop local and to shop independent. And Aaron encourages you to shop 
at a Black-owned bookstore. To shop Black, absolutely. <laughs> so I didn't necessarily do that with this book today, but I definitely shop local at Politics and Prose, um, which is a local bookstore here in the district. So wherever y'all are, we encourage you to shop local. Um, and if there's a Black-owned bookstore that you can patronize, or even a Black female-owned bookstore, if you are in Philadelphia, Swing by Harriet's Bookshop. You can also shop local online at bookshop.org. So there are lots of different ways that you can shop local and that you can grab this book, Breathe, by Imani Perry, so we can really dig in to what it's like being a mother to sons and being a mother to black sons, being a black mother to black sons. So I'm not a mother, so I would love to hear from the mothers out there who are having this experience over the course of the month. I'm going to ask all my friends to read, breathe, and to share their opinions um, on that. And our next TDP Be Reading book talk will be... What's the date? The date will be the fourth Sunday in May. So that will be May 23rd at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here at the dot, dot, dot project. And over the course of the month, of course, you'll see posts about what we're reading, questions, insights. Aaron and I have so many crazy side chats about <laughs> these books. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> Sometimes if one of us is reading like late at night, we'll be texting, did you read that paragraph <laughs> or first thing in the morning? And with, so. and with, the, and with the book on Nipsey, uh, there were a lot of, of those moments. So. Oh, there were so many side <laughs> chats. Yeah, because there's so much in this book that we didn't even get into about L.A., about entrepreneurship, about yeah. policing, which is something that I've given a lot of thought to recently. But all of that can go in the show notes. So thank you, Deontay, for thank jumping you, in and offering that perspective, um, someone who's in the classroom and really striving to be innovative and to connect with your students on a deeper level through music, helping children feel seen, giving kids that adapt that they need to know how brilliant they are, how much potential they have as students. I'm a former high school teacher, so I get really passionate talking about education as well as Aaron is. Yes, indeed. So we want to close out by reminding folks that resistance is a highway with many lanes, and we hope that you find yours. Take care, folks. Peace.